Hello, it's Vanessa again at Beyond the Room and I'm here at the Attune project this afternoon um, talking about pathways to um, amphetamine use um, from a variety of perspectives and I've just managed to catch Claire um, and Claire, for people who are listening online who can't be here today and um, have just found out about the Attune project by following the hashtag on Twitter, um, could you just share some thoughts about um, why you're here today? Yeah, so I'm here today. I've just completed my master's at Newcastle University. Um, it was based on um, interventions for chemsex, which is, for those who don't know, it's um, a specific type of drug use which is han- enhances um, sexual encounters. Um, so the types of drugs are crystal methamphetamine, which right. of course yeah. fits within uh, this remit, GHB and methadone also fits within mm. this. So I suppose that's why my interest has drawn me here. Um, today there was uh, a lot of talk about hedonism, yeah. which, I, which, which I found incredibly interesting. Um, unfortunately, sexuality wasn't recorded um, within oh, the petition. So it, uh, it was um, a, a probably a little bit of a missed opportunity but um, that was one of the three factors, was hedonism, functional, and they told them was environmental, I think. Um, so the role that hedonism plays with, uh, I suppose, ATS use, um, and how um, people use these particular drugs, amphetamines, uh, ecstasy, to kind of ha- enhance their sexual experience, um, enhance their relationships with other people. So I suppose that that's an interesting area of mine that I'm interested in. Um, my research focused on people who access needle exchange services, so predominantly in, injecting drug users of um, yeah. amphetamines. Um, injecting amphetamines. Yeah, yeah, so injecting crystal meth or injecting uh, methadone, which is commonly associated with chemsex. Um, so I suppose that is another, that's another aspect of the research which I'm looking forward to hearing more about, is did they record how individuals or participants used these particular yeah. drugs and um, were they using pills were they using powder and um, were they snorting were they ingesting were they injecting and kind of you know building a bigger picture yeah. on that kind of uh, on the ATS uh, drug use yeah so, yeah so how prevalent is the sort of chemsex it's a kind of a difficult thing to say and I think there's been a lot of discussion today about treatment and access to treatment mm. and you know how this is how this kind of kind of drug use is perceived yeah. to fit within that spectrum of treatment and um, because they are uh, they're kind of built for opiate and alcohol use yeah. which uh, I think other colleagues have said today and um, so chemsex it in the terms of treatment, it would fit an extended brief intervention unless there's GHB dependency, which would look at clinical intervention. But beyond that, this is seen as a phenomenon among the gay community. Um, from my research... Is it mainly the gay community? Yeah, it's predominantly uh, gay men, uh, or men who have sex with men is, is yeah. the common term that's used. Um, I think I did um, a piece of research where I um, interviewed 17 practitioners who deliver interventions in needle exchange services. Um, and for the most part, they said that they were not seeing this cohort of mm. injecting drug users. However, other research would indicate, particularly in specialist treatment services for chemsex, that this is actively happening within the community. And people within the gay community would also say that, they, that this is happening. It's yeah. there. It, there's active use. Um, and there's high, it's a high-risk type of drug use, really high-risk type of drug use. Um, so to be able to have a recorded kind of a figure for you, yeah. we don't have that. No. Um, 
it, I suppose, but it's something about making people more aware of what that looks like and what yeah. what kind of services you can offer for that type so of would, drug use. Would um, would people be because um, obviously injecting drugs and amphetamines is quite an extreme thing to do. Mm -hmm. Would that just be associated with chemsex, or is this in a population of people who are using drugs for other reasons as well? So interestingly, it is commonly associated with men who have sex with men, and. Um, you know, there was some reports from practitioners that they had seen women who were using GHB and heterosexual relationships, and people were using it in a hedonistic, hedonistic yeah. type of way. The combination of this drug use is what makes it unique to chemsex. Yeah. They're using two kind of stimulants, well, a really potent uh, crystal meth, a really potent stimulant, methadone, to top up that kind of that kind of high, which you know, w which brings you to this certain level. They're commonly using Viagra as well. You know, these sessions may go on for kind of a long time, and then they're using GHB, and um, you know, because they're so high, and um, it, like it's a facilitator for uh, certain sexual acts as well. So. Um, I think these three combination drugs together, yeah, they're they're, they're within the, the chemsex remit. GHB could be used more commonly in the wider population. Yeah, um, and I suppose crystal methamphetamine, it's it's kind of hard to get. Yeah, yeah. Get hold of outside London, it, it, you know, people travel to London for that. But methadone was a a, a legal high. Yeah, a, or a novel psychoactive substance. And before 2010, it was really popular, like yeah. as a club and drug. Yeah. Um, and it moved out of that and into it, right. when it became illegal it moved into illicit markets but it just so happens that with these three drugs together they fit really nicely for the kind of mm. for chemsex for this kind of really high in intimacy intimate relationships with men yeah. with lots of partners it, it works for that yeah it's quite unique so is this a group that wouldn't necessarily see themselves as having problematic drug use Absolutely. and wouldn't necessarily access treatment that's what Absolutely. i was thinking i suppose yeah. one thing that did come out of my research was lgbtq in drug treatment services yeah and um, there wasn't although there was a, a real push for inclusivity among staff yeah. they were saying they weren't seeing lgbtq people in um, treatment services which is a, mm. is a real big concern um, and something that I suppose needs a, a much further research, research into into kind of why we're not seeing people yeah. from the LGBT community ac accessing services, exactly accessing needle exchange that. services yeah. like it's just it, 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 and it, you know is is this type of drug use a specialist does it, or does it fit in wider mainstream services you know that's a, a personal opinion for me is that all drug use can, should be be able to access mainstream services yeah um, but I think I think I've gone on a little bit of a tangent there have I right? no it's fine <laughs> were there a, um, were there any um, were there any barriers to people um, participating in this study from this kind of population of drug users so Interestingly, I actually come from a, a background as a practitioner. So right. prior to this, I, I worked in treatment services for many years. Um, and there was no barrier to uh, people participating, except for they didn't feel like they had any knowledge. Yeah. So that was practitioners who delivered interventions, didn't feel like they had the appropriate knowledge, hadn't maybe engaged with this uh, cohort of drug users. Um, but it, barriers were that they didn't see people. Um, yeah. They weren't, you know, I think one of, one of the glaringly obvious things is that nobody was trained. 
worked or had any training or kind of their knowledge was uh, what I what I kind of said was you know they went and looked you know they self-taught mm. themselves always yeah. Google was one of the big sources yeah. where people got their information for these drugs yeah. um, others was like television series <laughs> like mm. um, so they, you know they, the way they were learning and the, you know people did have clients that they engaged with their knowledge was from I suppose so uh, I wouldn't say they weren't credible, but potentially yeah. they might not have been. Yeah. Um, which is 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 a, is a big concern and a big gap. Mm, massive. Uh, within uh, within treatment, really. Yeah, yeah. So um, the tune study is obviously looking at um, amphetamine use in the northeast and in Europe. Are you aware of any differences with the cohort that you're talking about between this you you know use in the UK and in Europe? Um, from research that I have read, um, chemsex is, you know, there, there's a huge scene in London, but it has spread beyond Europe. Right. You've got, um, you've got like Italy, you've got, you know, all the big cities basically yeah. is what, what's been fed back is that the big cities are all, you know, it, in some aspects there's this kind of activity uh, mm. going on. So it's not just like a, a, a niche thing. It may have began yeah. in some regards within like south london within a particular like within a particular tribor that's based down there you know is it like a perfect kind of place for this to begin but beyond that you know like people travel all over the world they're able to hook up through these apps quite easily you're able yeah. to find use the geolocation dating apps right. and find each other that has sim- that have find other people that have similar interests to you and engage mm. in that no matter what that kind of looks like um mm. with that kind of high risk sexual behavior it, it's happening um all, all over, all over Europe, and, and in cities like New York, etc. Yeah. Um, it just is about getting more research and evidence um, around what that looks like in, in yeah. different parts of the world. What about in terms of um, ethnicity? Just thinking from a like intersectional yeah. perspective. Um, around is this like yeah. is, is this predominantly white? Yeah, 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 exactly. See, I I don't see that as being a. It, it's about men who sex with men yeah that, that's the predominant identifier almost yeah. that um as far as i can see ethnicity um wasn't like it wasn't a barrier you know it's just about yeah. people having si- these similar yeah. interests in this kind of like really um intense sexual uh parties you know and yeah. so um, there's loads of like interesting there. anecdotes that i could give you about how they strategize and reduce harm amongst themselves which is why they don't actually I suppose lean on treatment services per se. But, you know, the, what's been reported is that people that engage in chemsex, it's not a particular demographic. Yeah. Um, it's across the board to doctors, nurses, teachers. Right. You know, from all walks of life. I've yeah. had uh, clients who I've met who've come from you know lots of different backgrounds. The interesting thing is the age. Most the majority of people are over their over thirties. Right. Which is contrast to yeah, what yeah. was said today. Yeah. Which is, it Younger makes it quite, yeah. Which makes you know this mature now that was mentioned mm. today is what you'd see with chemsex is it was men over 30s 40s you know some of them were um what was being reported is you know like people that used to work in the sex industry that had quite a lot of money you know people with disposable income and one participant said that you know the reason why um why like 
they, I suppose they don't run into trouble where you know because they have lots of disposable income yeah they have they'd have never had children or they might not want children so they haven't had that yeah. resource uh, yeah, yeah. yeah so they've got extra money and because they haven't had to I suppose take some time out in their career for children mm. or any they've been really successful and you know and, and that's kind of like that's what's unique about about this yeah. cohort as yeah. well yeah um, and they can party for four days straight wow. without any <laughs> without any and get up and go to work on a yeah. Monday without any other kind of um, like factors that will influence that around like they don't have children to attend they don't have like at the weekend I know I have to go to football and, yeah you know they don't have those they can just kind of like concentrate yeah on party, but across yeah. the board we've seen like younger age reigns for for some people that maybe they move to a new environment like they've moved to London for the first time they want to get involved in the scene and you know it's a rite of passage in that way into this yeah. kind of uh, into the scene that They've never been a part of this whole new identity. Yeah. But predominantly, we're seeing it in an older couple. Interesting. Yeah, fascinating. Thank you.